You are listening to You Are a Lawyer. I'm Kyla Denanyo, a 2015 law school graduate. This episode is brought to you by me. <laughs> Seriously, I'm selling merchandise at shopyouarelawyer.com. That's where you can find water bottles, long and short sleeve t-shirts, and everything you need to support the You Are a Lawyer podcast. So support your favorite lawyer's favorite podcaster and visit shopyouarelawyer.com to grab some merchandise. In episode 63, I'm speaking with a comedian and lawyer. This guest defends the U.S. Constitution and makes lawyers laugh. Based in Shawnee, Kansas, today's guest is Joel Oster. So Joel, welcome to the You Are Lawyer podcast. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. Would you give a little bit about your background and share your story with the audience? I mean, I started way back when on a Thanksgiving evening when I was born. No, I, I actually was born in <laughs> around Thanksgiving, which I got to tell you is is like the best time of year to be born. Uh, I have no idea when you were born, but if you're born, if you're a Christmas baby, you only get one set of gifts. Well, no one gets gifts at Thanksgiving, but because it's a family holiday, everyone's there anyways. They feel compelled to bring you the gifts, but that's not why you asked that question. No, I assume you're asking about the law. Uh, and so um, I started, you know, I don't know, 25, 30 years ago. It, it seems like time flies. I got to tell you, we're getting old fast. It, it seemed like I just got out of law school. And now today, as we're talking, I'm thinking, okay, what is my exit strategy? How am I going to retire in five years? The R word has already entered my vocabulary. and I can't yeah. believe I'm actually there. But I started off, you know, I graduated from law school and as almost every lawyer does, you, you think dumb thoughts like this. Okay. I got, I got a school loan. I got to pay my school loan back. So who's going to pay me the most amount of money so I can yeah. pay off my student loans. That is a horrible advice. And I would not give anyone that advice, but that's what we all did. So I went and took a job at a, at a large law firm. I think they had like 200 attorneys there at the time. I was miserable. I got to tell you, that was not the life for me. I remember there was one moment. I was there in the basement of the law firm. They had a huge old basement. And there was banker boxes wall to wall there. I had no idea if there was flooring there. But there were, there were banker boxes. And my, the partner said, Joel, go find the smoking gun. Okay. I have no idea what a smoking gun even looks <laughs> like. Right? Yeah. I mean, how, how are you supposed to? You're just a young associate. I'm sure there's discovery of some big case and they wanted me to go through all these banker boxes i had no idea what i was looking for and so i told myself then i gotta get out this is not for me and so uh, i mean now some people nowadays you know adhd is all the rage back in the days yeah. we we also had it i i'm sure i had adhd now it's just add i take out the hyperactivity because i'm old you know so yeah. you, you no longer have the energy but we, we just may do, but man, paying attention to details, uh, that was definitely a, a struggle. Mm -hmm. So I, I then went into constitutional law because that really yeah. was my passion anyways. And, and that was a lot of fun. I did constitutional law for about 20 years. And then one time I finally decided this, what do I want to do? If no one was going to pay me a dime, what would I want to do? Well, yeah. I, I love public speaking. I love making people laugh. And when I, when I would be in front of a group and I would say something and they would respond with laughter, I've never done drugs, but I'm telling you that must be what <laughs> drugs feels like. It was a high. I was like yeah. so pumped. I would think about it for the next week. I would wake up at 3 a.m. thinking about that joke and the response. And I have no idea what else I would have said. I actually taught um, some CLEs for lawyers from mm -hmm. with my previous firm. No one came up to me afterwards and said, thank you, Joel, for your great legal advice. You're going to make us a bunch of money. It was always, 
oh, wow, you're funny. So I thought, well, maybe I should go with what God has given me. So I decided to marry the two and start a, a career doing stand-up comedy for lawyers. Uh, and so that's that's what I've been doing now for, my goodness, it's been eight years. I got to tell you, I am shocked and floored that the lights are still on. I mean, yeah. I, really, people pay me for this? I, I just can't believe it's true. But uh, here I am. And so I, you asked a simple question. I just kind of ran all the way from the birth canal to... <laughs> retirement so there you go how about that for an answer yeah but that's good though the long answer is always the best on a podcast (laughs) (laughs) comedy and law I love that you married the two what was it that sparked your interest were you practicing and watching people and you're like that's kind of funny or were you like imitating people and mimicking them in the office and you were like okay I can keep doing this like what initially said there's a place here a space for comedy and law well, first of all, now you're a lawyer, right? Yes. Okay. And so you've taken CLEs and you know what I'm saying is true. They're dreadful. They are boring. <laughs> the, the whole setup of CLEs is just a, a train wreck because yeah. here's what happens. You have some lawyer who's, who's, who is a brilliant lawyer, had some massive, amazing thing happen in their career. And so people want them to teach a CLE and they had this ego. It's like, you know what? I'm going to just speak the words. You're going to be so blessed to be in the same room with me. And you should be thankful that you had this opportunity in your life. That's not reality. People don't care how, and that might last for like five minutes, maybe. And then they tune you out. I mean, it it is horrible. I've actually gotten to some CLEs where I actually was shushed by a a lawyer, but they're doing work during the CLE. They have their files out. They have multiple computers out. So these CLEs are almost a joke and then no one's actually taking them to learn stuff. They're just checking a box so they can turn in their CLE hours because they're so dreadfully boring. And so my thought is, what if we actually make these classes interesting make the teaching points sticky so that way at least maybe the lawyer will pay attention we might have some dialogue and that by the way that is my best cla class whenever i can get lawyers talking to one another Mm -hmm. and we're swapping war stories number one that's the best learning experience but then number two it's also the funniest moments because it's in that live interaction that you get the best responses. Uh, unfortunately, we're going to have to wait till, well, COVID is almost over with. I, may, I don't know if I can even say that, but I, if COVID is not over with, at least people are tired enough of it. They're going back to the live classes. So we might be getting back to the live classes pretty soon. Okay. All right. Very cool. So in your intro, when you were explaining everything, you said this in a very humble and quick way, you know, you, you've litigated, you practice law. Yeah, you've argued before the Supreme Court of the United States. You've argued in numerous appellate courts. What was that like? Like, how could you give that up for comedy? (laughs) Well, I I actually, uh, I've had two cases that I was lead on end up at the U.S. Supreme Court. Both Mm -hmm. times, uh, I, I, you know, people in the office had more, had been there longer than me, kind of politicked me out of it. But uh, it still was a highlight of my career to be there at the beginning when you are with the client and you're saying, hey, look. This is how I think the Supreme Court is going to handle this situation if it ever gets there. You never actually think it's going to get yeah. there. And then to be involved in two cases where you were lead, and I argued cases before the, the circuit courts, and I was uh, helping writing the briefs at the U.S. Supreme Court. And then to see the Supreme Court take your arguments and either say, yeah, you're, you're right, or no, you're an idiot. That, that was the highlight of my career. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I will say I have not given it up yet. I actually have a couple of cases going on now. I do think we'll make it to the Supreme Court. I'm not going to pass these off. I'm very, very careful on that one. But nonetheless, uh, I do. You, you, if you're going to teach CLEs, you want to have some 
real life uh, caseload to talk about. So I do have a small practice going on just because you want to always stay in the game. It is kind of hard to give up. But I got to tell you, it is it is so much fun. I really do feel blessed to be now in my 50s and being able to to do what I really love doing, which is telling jokes, writing jokes, doing a podcast where I talk about the crazy things in the law and then have a small practice on the side. Yeah, you're making things memorable. People are like, man, that was so great. Oh, I laughed so much. I did this. And they're actually remembering, they're engaging, they're, they're following along, so... Yes, because if they're sleeping, it doesn't matter how brilliant you are. It, it wasn't retained. It wasn't kept. You might as well have been talking to the wind. And you also, maybe you've had this experience. I remember taking the CLE several years ago, and um, um, it, it was the end of the reporting period. I had to get my hours in. It was aviation law, and there were 10 other lawyers in that room. And I looked around, and during the break, I started talking to the other lawyers. I, it soon dawned on me that not a single one of us practice in aviation law we were just there to check a box to get our hours so why not do if you're going to have that reality people at the end of the reporting period need to just check box why not teach something in a way that they actually will pay attention and remember it Uh, and so that's that's kind of what we do as well yeah this is great but i want to go back a little bit further you know halfway between birth canal (laughs) okay (laughs) you said that you started thinking about practicing law in junior high school yes how why what happened is that is that an insult to me i wonder you know if someone tells you i can tell you're gonna be a lawyer i guess that's a nice way to say you're argumentative and you you won't just shut up i don't know but um yeah i think it's that you're interested in the law you like to talk uh in uh, you like to argue sometimes that's not a bad thing i was in a, a class there in junior high school and my teacher that's what she told me and it, it's weird how this can be one of the few rare moments where we're talking about profound things. It is weird how when you are young and someone speaks into your life, the difference that that makes. And, and, and that was the moment where someone spoke into my life and said, oh, yeah, you know, you would be a really good lawyer. And then I thought, huh, okay, I like that idea. I like law. Why not look into it? So ever since then, I identified myself as a lawyer, now you can't self-identify as a lawyer. That doesn't work. But right. uh, I then went to law school and got the degrees. And there were times you wanted to quit along the way, right? I mean, it, it's 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 very daunting going to law school. Uh, I remember the very first day of law school. They said, "Look to your right, look to your left. Only one of you will be here by the end." And by the way, only ten percent ten percent of you are actually going to get paid as a lawyer. Everyone else needs to find other jobs. Yeah. And I remember going to J.C. Penney's the week before, buying some clothes, and the person who was helping me fit on my suit was the person who just graduated from the law school there that I was going to. So I thought that's not a good sign. Um, You know, but so you, you got this pressure you got to get good grades. And so that because that person spoke into my life saying you'd be a great lawyer that carried me through. Okay. Have you ever told anyone you'd make a good lawyer? Like anyone that's like high school or younger? (laughs) I have. Yeah. Okay. All uh, right. And I, I try not to do it because they are annoying me and they're argumentative. But no, yeah, some people who are really good thinking on their feet. Now, my son does not want to be a lawyer. My youngest son does not want to be a lawyer because he, he hates school. But man, he'd be a good lawyer. He knows how to think on his feet. He, he cares about people. He has compassion, which yeah. you, you got to have, right? If you want to be a good lawyer, you can't lose that on the empathy. You actually got to care about your client's plight. Now, sometimes... We err in caring too much. Now, that might have been yeah. my fault a little bit. You almost identify too much with your client's problems. So you take the defeats a little bit too hard. But 
Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I try to do that as well. I try to look into other people's lives and just also, I, I did this one time. I also told someone that they would not be a good lawyer. <laughs> Maybe that's hey, the wrong you, thing to do. Stay away from law. Don't, don't, don't even think about it. <laughs> right, right. That's funny. If you're not good at school and you can't, uh, you know, what I'm trying to say this is going to sound really mean, but if you can't pass the mustard in school, yeah. the law is probably going to make you miserable. Yeah, it probably is because it's so lofty and it, the one exam and it's, it's a lot. So were you funny before? you even went to college and law school and all of that, or were you just kind of an observer and you turned it into humor? No, I, I think and looking back on it, I, I've been funny all along. Um, obviously well, of you just, you would say that. right, right. And kind of, we're looking back on it because now I've taken classes on how to be funny. Okay. And, and it's kind of weird how I don't know if you've seen Big Bang Theory, but one time mm-hmm. Sheldon Cooper trying to diagram how to actually tell a joke. Yeah. Well, that is true in a, in a large degree, but because timing is so critical, it, it's just not a diagram. But the, there are tricks on how to say things and how to write jokes so that you can be funny. Like tonight, I'm going to go do a comedy club here in Kansas City. So I've been writing jokes this afternoon, just using these formulas. But it's weird. Now, sometimes looking back, I would do a speech in college. And I would make sure to throw humor in there just because if you're saying something, you want to be funny um, and and get that kind of response from people, though. I didn't know why it was funny, but still you would get that as a consequence. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned that you're going to do a stand up comedy tonight. Yes. (laughs) That makes me laugh. I saw in your biography that you are a stand up comedian and where are you doing legal stand up comedy or is it just stand up comedy, period? But you are a lawyer. Oh, yeah. So every big city will have a ton of comedy clubs in your city. Cincinnati, you probably have have 10 of them out there. Mm-hmm. And almost every night of the week, you can go to at least one comedy club. They'll have open mic night. We can just go up there and you take the mic and you can do your three minute bit. And so I told you I was I've been studying from these uh, these stand up comedians on how to actually do comedy. Yeah. And this is the general rule on how you do comedy. So okay. you, you write your material. Let's say you have a, an hour's worth of material. You break it down into three minute bits and then you go to your comedy club. And, and once you've done them enough times, you develop a, a, a reputation, a rapport with them. They'll let you even come in on, on non open mic nights to, to do 10 minutes of your stuff. Okay. But you do the same three minutes over and over and over because and, and, it's all these different comedy clubs. And so you can try news. You can try the same thing many times over because you want to get those three minutes just perfect uh-huh. uh and so you don't just try it once and then once you've done that three minutes let's say it takes you uh, you know a, a week to get that the, the three minutes down then you work on your next three minute bit uh and so that's kind of what we're doing now we were working on our comedy special and just pulling out these three minute bits until and we're working on them until we get them refined to where we like it where we can put them into a comedy um a material so you also asked about legal comedy well uh-huh. Uh, for stand-up comedy clubs, it's just legal comedy. It's not CLE credit, so it's I don't have to you know cite the ABA right, model right. rule or any kind of cases. But you're still talking about the same general thing. Okay. Like tonight's bit, we're going to talk about these crazy cases out there where Subway was sued because their foot-long sub sandwich wasn't a full 12 inches. We're going to have a lot of bit of, <laughs> a lot of fun with that. Well, if I was doing that in a for a CLE, then we're talking about. Okay, class actions. How can you get class actions certified? Is this a what, what's what happened with this lawsuit? So you actually would talk about the mechanics behind it, but you would still use that as a funny lead-in yeah. to what the law is around that issue. Now, at an open mic at a comedy club, 
I'm not going to cite the actual cases. I'm just going to talk about a foot long sub sandwich, not being a full 12 inches. Okay. And I love that because so much of like regular conversation between people and just, you know, elevator talk it is the news, which is typically something that is legal. Um, right. And I noticed that when I was doing my research and looking at your podcast and listening to it, you talk about NFTs, you talk about athletes, you talk about actors, you talk about anything because all of these people and things involve the law in some way. Oh, right? man. So that's the, um, yes. so it's like you're exposing people to even more. Right. Oh, you mentioned the NFTs. I just scored big time. So I, I'm coming home from Manhattan, Kansas, not New York. My, my son goes to college there in Manhattan, Kansas, where K-State is. And we're just talking about cryptocurrencies. And he, he mentioned NFTs. He goes, oh, yeah, I know what NFTs are. It floored him. My college ace, I was like, how in the world, dad, do you know what NFTs are? To which my response was, well, then you don't listen to my podcast, do you, buddy? Because I had a specialist on who talked about NFTs. So that's why I was able to, to talk conversantly with my college age son. Yeah, I was learning a lot when I was listening to it because I hear people talking. I'm like, NFTs, ETFs, isn't it all the same? It's not. <laughs> I had no idea before that. <laughs> it's definitely not. Okay. So you teach CLEs, you have a practice on the side, you are an author, you wrote a book called Undo Process. What made you decide to write a book? Well, the, uh, the book is the, the accumulation of all these stories that we're telling. And so when you go through the process of writing a book, and I did it with my son, because my son is actually, he is hilarious. He's, my older son is thinking about going to law school, though he's probably tired enough of school now. I'm not quite sure which direction he's going to go. Yes. But still, I, I wrote it with him because he's, he's really funny and he's a, an incredible writer, much better than I am. But it, it's a collection of all these stories. Now, just because you collect all these stories, and these stories are funny in and of themselves, you still have to ask this question of why am I putting it in a book? What is the main point that you want the reader to go home with yeah. after reading this book? Yeah, there's a lot of screw ups in, in the law. And so that's it kind of gets you thinking uh, about what is the main takeaway? And th this is what we decided was the main takeaway without giving a spoiler alert to the book. Well, actually, we, we have pictures, so you still should buy the book. But beside the pictures that we have, it, it's this, the law is is made up by flawed individuals i mean here's a sobering reality the politicians that we elect no one likes politicians that think they're they're they're, they're pawn scum they do uh, negative campaigning those are the ones that actually write the laws and, and the laws are then enforced by people who are all kinds of you know crazy out there and so you got laws written by crazy people enforced by crazy people what are we to make of that well yeah. Here's what I make of that. The law is not your answer. You should never go to the law and say, the law is going to be my, uh, my savior. It's going to solve all of our problems in society. No, no. The law is just a tool that you can have at your disposal as a means to love on your fellow neighbor, to do good to your fellow neighbor. I think we call it by coda, be ye kind one to another. And so the law can be used for bad. It, it really can. The same law can be used for good. The difference is, is how you are living and using that law. So that's kind of the whole you know, uh, theme of the book is don't let the law be your excuse not to be kind to one another. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an excellent way to think about the law. The law is a tool. <laughs> we should just stop right there. <laughs> no, I don't think anyone, I don't think I, it's like I'm having a light bulb moment over here. Oh, yeah. There are a lot of examples you can think of where the law has been used to bring hate or bad. Mm -hmm. The example I give in my book this is a real life story is about the traffic light. Now, the traffic light 
it, it, that's a good law. W- would you not agree? No, I love, yeah. Traffic yeah, are great. It, exactly. It, it keeps order. My old boss friend uh, woke up in the middle of the night in immense pain. His appendix was bursting. He was dying. He tells his wife, "Hun, you got to take me to the hospital. So she gets in the car and they're driving to the hospital because he is dying, right? Because his appendix is bursting. Mm-hmm. They get to a stoplight. Now, have you ever been to a stoplight in the middle of the night? Here's the problem. They're tripped. And sometimes if you don't trip them just right because you turned into the turn lane a little bit late, the light never turns. And so she sat there at that light for what seemed like hours. He said, "Hun, could you please just go? Oh, I can't. There's a traffic light. It's red. I don't, you know, I, I got my uh, Jake from State Farm. We're on a first name basis here. I can't ruin my good driving record by running the stoplight. She would not run that stoplight. So that is a, a very you know, loose example of how the law, while meant for good, was working for bad in this given situation. That's a great story. And I probably will never forget that. I always hear people talk about like, um, you're allowed to like run lights and run stop signs if like someone's pregnant or like all of those kind of exceptions, right? Exceptions to the rules. So the law is good. We're not going to say these traffic lights are bad, but in certain situations, they could be used for bad. And we could probably come up with a hundred different examples. Uh, That's just one lighthearted one. But yeah, use the the law as your, as a way to be kind one to another. Yeah. I think one of the things I really like about hearing that the law is a tool is because you being someone who has argued in the highest court of the land to call it a tool. I'm like, you can't say that. <laughs> but I mean, you, you've been there, right? So, right. Anyway. And they know I'm telling you at the Supreme court, they know they, they make it up as they go. Uh, in a recent case, Sotomayor even talked about Marbury v. Madison and said, look, we just took judicial review upon ourselves. It's not in the constitution. The Supreme Court just took that upon themselves. We can make it up as we go. I, I, I copied that. I got that on my recording so I could play it for my class. They're, from the highest court in the land, they admitted they just stole that power. So, yeah, I mean, the law is, it, it's, it's kind of a, it's amorphous. It, it could change. Uh, at the highest court, they know that they can use the law to bring good in any situation or, or, or not. I mean, they, they know they have that power. Okay. So, Joe, would you talk to us a little bit about why you created your podcast, Comedian of Law, and why you bring on experts and talk to them about different topics? Podcast for me serves twofold. One, it serves a business model for me because I teach classes on the craziness in the law. And so the podcast is the way for me to stay on my game. So on a weekly basis, I'm collecting all of these stories that I didn't use for my classes and I'm meeting other lawyers that I can then use those interviews for in my, in my classes. And so it's a good opportunity for me to just kind of stay on my game. And I also think people want to hear this stuff. I mean, there's a market out there for legal news. And, and so it's kind of an inside baseball kind of thing. You know, I mean, any recent thing that's going on in the world out there, you might, what does the lawyer have to say about that? I mean, an example that's going on right now is the LIV, the live golf tour. And one of the thoughts is, well, hold on, the PGA is, is now trying to punish all the players that are going over, and maybe they're also stopping some of the, the, the TV companies from, from broadcasting this. Well, to what extent is that an antitrust violation when they're going to these, these certain efforts to try to snuff out the competition? Well, that again, so getting a lawyer's perspective on that current event, I think, is, is entertaining to the, the public. Yeah. Especially because even if you stumbled upon the podcast and you were listening, you're like, oh, that's, he's funny. Oh, I get, that makes sense. 
Yeah, but you actually have the knowledge behind it. You have the experience. You have all of it behind it. So again, it is a lot of fun. Yeah, it's making real things practical and funny. So. And and it's living the dream, uh, and so I really do feel like I'm I'm blessed to to be able to do this. Like I said, I I knock on wood. I wake up every morning and just hope and pray I never have to actually get a real job. But it is what it is. We're actually trying to relocate now to Palm Coast, Florida, and okay. so my wife is actually out there right now trying to buy a house on the beach again because I'm looking at the R years retiring. Yeah. You're, you're way too young to even think about that, but. <laughs> You know what? I, I just turned fifty, so why not start and start thinking about what what you are doing in the next ten years? Why not? So that brings up something. You're licensed in Kansas, Missouri, and Florida. I was going to ask you want to share some information about why you decided to. Well, I'm from Kansas. And okay. so if you live in Kansas City, as most people now know, it's on the border. And so you're going to be licensed in Kansas and Missouri. Okay. I then, and this is one of those deals career-wise where it's, it's weird how you look back and see how your career went. But I was miserable at this big law firm in Kansas City. I wanted to do constitutional law. And there was this, this law firm in, in Orlando, Florida that I thought, well, they do constitutional law. So I just packed up, got in my car, drove the 20 hours down there, met with the senior partner and said, I want to work for you. And I ended up working for half the pay that I was getting at my previous job. But somehow in weird math, I actually had more money at the end of the month than I did when I was making twice as much money. I still don't know how that happened to be, but I was in Florida working for this firm. I was probably working a couple of years. And all of a sudden I realized, huh, you know what? Maybe I should get licensed here in Florida. Again, the whole ADHD problems, you kind of think of these details later on, but we were doing constitutional law. So I wasn't, wasn't actually advising Florida people. I was advising people nationwide yeah. on constitutional issues. So we were okay. But still I thought in case someone did call me in Florida, wanting Florida state advice, I probably should get licensed. So I went ahead and got licensed in Florida and then promptly moved back to Kansas. But the, the thought there's, I kept my Florida license because at some point in time, I thought, when I'll, I'll retire in Florida, I'll move back yeah. to Florida. So might as well keep my license. Okay. That makes sense. So I have a question that just keeps running and running through my mind. I heard someone say that all lawyers are constitutional because even if I'm a tax lawyer, I have to make sure the tax laws aren't against the constitutional. Do you believe that? Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Uh, the con the, obviously the constitution is the supreme law in the land. And so every matter you are dealing with, you got to think at the back of your mind, well, is this actually a proper state action? Is this a proper function of government? Um, and so if it is a violation of the constitution, you, you got to keep that in mind. It, when it comes to tax law, I mean, we've had a couple of tax cases um, that involve the constitution. We've had mm -hmm. routine traffic cases involve the constitution and litigating constitutional cases is a bit different. And so it really does behoove you to get a constitutional specialist Though you don't necessarily have to, you can take time out of your schedule, just kind of study that area and, you know, brush, brush up on it. But yeah, no, I think the constitution applies to everything you do. Okay. Yeah. Um, especially because you say that you are a constitutional lawyer and you do practice in that specialty area. I just, I wanted to ask you that. <laughs> right, right, right. Like, for example, a case that's before the Supreme Court, actually, it was decided at the Supreme Court this last week, dealt with uh, a Bivens cause of action. A Bivens cause of action is when you're saying the federal government violated my rights under color of state law. Well, if you're suing a state actor, you don't need a Bivens action. It's called Section 1983. 
And so to some non-constitutional lawyers, they don't know, well, how do I navigate a, a claim against a, a state actor as compared to a federal actor? How are those different? And so, you know, there are some times where you, you'd want to know how to, to pave the way to, uh, to navigate the court system. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Joel, in wrapping up the interview, is there anything that you would share with the audience about the importance of law school, the importance of the Constitution, the importance of following your dream and going into comedy, <laughs> anything at all? I know. So yeah, there's a lot. You gave me a general question here. So let me see where I, ha- where I can take this for the next half hour. Uh, but I learned from my brothers. So my brothers both were doing things free. They weren't getting paid for what they were doing. And both of them, what they were doing, that ended up being their vocation because they ended up getting paid full time for what they previously were doing for free. And I thought, man, that's really great career advice right there. What would you do for free? And then is there a way to have that be your career? Because that way, I'd assume you're going to enjoy your career a lot more. You're going to give more into put more into it, enjoy the journey a lot more. And so that's how, then I decided to do that with my own life. What do, would I do for free? Well, would anyone ask me to do a speaking gig? I took it because I just love to speak in front of audiences. And so is there a way to actually do that and get paid and be able to keep the, the lights on? And so... Uh, that's the kind of the course that I took. All right, now to give you a second part of your answer. There are a ton of comedians out there, way funnier than I am. I'm going to go to a comedy club tonight, and I guarantee you there'll be at least four or five of them way funnier than I am. Do you know how much money they're making with their comedy? Zero. Why is that? They don't have a JD after their name. Sometimes it does take doing the hard work, making you making yourself stand out in some way that people will pay money for. And so, yes, yeah, some people will pay money to your top flight comedians, but we're talking about the Jerry Seinfelds, the Kevin Hart's, the David Chappelle's. Yeah, they're making billions of dollars, right? We get that. But for just your average funny guy out there, you're not making squats. So how can you use your comedy to actually keep the, you know, keep the mortgage paid? Well, for me, it was a JD. Let's say you didn't want to go to law school. Maybe you're just a, you're, you're a public speaker in your particular business. You, you're, you're a motivator in your particular business, whatever. You got to have a business plan. It's just not enough to be funny. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, law school didn't specifically teach you how to make a business plan, but just your legal background was like, I need to do this. I need to negotiate. I need to set this up correctly, all of that. Right. So when I was there in my career where I wanted to say, what do I want to do for the next 20 years of my life? What were some of my assets? Well, some of my assets were my law degree because you, you, you planted those seeds, right? I'm, I'm telling that to my, my, my youngest son right now, right? You got to plant seeds for your future. Yes, I know you can make 500 bucks a night waiting tables right now. This economy is insane. I get that. That's not going to last. You got to be planting seeds yeah. now so that 10 years from now, you're still not waiting tables because right, the economy is probably going to change and they're not going to be at the top of the pay scale. Uh, and yeah. so, yeah, I mean, you got, you got to look at, yes, when you're, especially when you're young, you got to plant seeds for your future. You just can't simply be living for the here and now um, because then you're never really going to advance your, your cause, make yourself more marketable. What are your assets? Okay. I love that. I'm going to remember that. Even in comedy, a JD could be valuable in the way that you run the entire business and negotiate and read contracts. And I'm, okay. Oh man, the JD is extremely valuable. I mean, 
Now, since for those of us that went through law school, we know this to be true. It is a way of thinking. It's not easy. It's not for everyone. You can run a business. You can be a CEO, uh, you know, a CFO, because the, the thought process you brought to being able to be successful in law school that applies in almost anything and everything that you do. And so you can do whatever you want to after law school. You don't have to practice law. I highly recommend it. We mentioned earlier about when I went, when I graduated, graduated from law school, I went and worked for the largest firm I could. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't do that the next time around. I would go to the public defender's office or the prosecutor's office. Now just try cases for the first two years. Why not get as much court experience as you can yeah. during those first two years? I think I would be way better ahead now with my stories with my experience if i had chosen that route yeah but like you said when you're getting out you're just like man can i get some money and pay for all of this? <laughs> exactly that's all you're thinking about <laughs> so yeah so well thank you so much joel this is great thank you i appreciate it good luck to you thank you thank you for listening to you are a lawyer if you enjoyed this episode leave a rating tell a friend about this podcast and subscribe to the show so that you never miss a new episode New episodes are released every other Thursday. Thanks again for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Bye.